What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with whatever it is that you send me, and hopefully respond in a way that is helpful for you in your walk toward becoming a saint rooted in the heart of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's how the show goes. Uh, You send me three to five questions per episode, and after I spend an adequate amount of time praying with them, I try to respond in a way that is helpful for you, right? If we're honest with ourselves, our lives are just really messy sometimes, and there's not always going to be that easy, fill-in-the-blank, go-to Catholic answer. Sometimes it's just really great, and we don't know what to do. So the point of this podcast is for me to try to walk with you and accompany you in the midst of the mess of your life and mine and speak to you from the heart of the church and from a relationship that flows um, from our Savior, Jesus Christ. I will do my best to help you. I cannot always promise you that my advice will be helpful. Sometimes I might be wrong because guess what? I am not perfect. I'm broken. I'm not infallible. And so there's going to be times where I don't give you the best advice. If that's the case, I want to give you the freedom right now to just straight up reject whatever it is that I'm saying that is not helpful for you to become a saint. But if it is helpful, then I want to invite you to to share that wisdom with other people so it could potentially be helpful for them in their walk toward eternity as as well. We're going to address everything on this podcast from topics of morality to apologetics, church teaching, relationship advice, spirituality, prayer advice, and pretty much everything under the sun. If you are a first-time listener, shoot me an email. Hit me up with your feedback from today's episode, with your own questions, your own comments, whatever it is at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. Ask Father Josh is askfrjosh at ascensionpress.com. I know some people are like, man, uh, it's bouncing back. Yeah, so it's Ask Father Josh with the F-R Josh, not the F-A-T-H-E-R. Uh, so you can uh, hit me up there and don't forget to rate us and review us on iTunes, which helps other people discover the potential gift of this this podcast. On today's show, we're going to talk about five different things, five very different topics. We're going to talk about vasectomies. We're going to talk about my email address, family issues with children who experience same-sex attraction, uh, struggling to worship after the death of loved ones, and also just questions about prayer journaling. And so that's our topics for today's show. So stay tuned to uh, to hear whatever I have to share on that. Hopefully it's helpful. Maybe it's not. We're going we're gonna to see what's up, though. Uh, but before we get into that, I think it would be only proper to begin this show with a glory story. So check this out. Recently, I was hanging out with one of my good friends who is a priest, and he just got off of an eight- day silent retreat. This dude is one of my, like, like my ace boom coons. He's a good guy. And this eight-day silent retreat completely, completely rocked his world. I just, man, it was so good. We all need to go on retreats. If you haven't been on a retreat in a while, especially like a silent retreat, definitely check that out. Uh, so as he was sharing with me the particular graces from his his experience of retreat, it just... It elicited a lot of just different uh, memories for me of my own experience of, of, of retreats. And and so when I went to talk to Jesus after we weren't hanging out anymore, I um, I was just brought back to one particular eight-day silent retreat that I went on years ago at this place called the Institute for Priestly Formation in Omaha, Nebraska, IPF. And it was really cool. Every day for this eight-day retreat, we would do four holy hours a day. So we would spend an hour with Jesus in prayer, 
uh, in the morning, in the afternoon, the evening, and at night. And, uh, and it was just really, really clutch. It was so, so powerful um, to spend that much time in silence with, with the Lord. And I remember specifically um, just there was a, a, a profound grace of really experiencing the, the Father, the, the gift of God, the Father on this retreat, and, and the reality that I, I'm, I'm his beloved son. And uh, it was super powerful. And so every day I was doing you know, my first holy hour, Blessed Sacrament Chapel, the Eucharist, the Bible, second holy hour, probably the same thing. Um, I, I might switch it up at one point and do one like holy hour with the Bible out there in nature. The weather was so good. And then I would always end it with the Eucharist again at night. And on one particular, um, one particular night, I remember I was getting ready to go to the Blessed Sacrament Chapel to sit before the Eucharist with the Word of God. And I just perceived Jesus speak in my heart and invite me to go play basketball with him. He said, hey, Josh, let's go play basketball. And I was thinking, Jesus, we don't, we don't do that for prayer, right? <laughs> no, nah, that, that ain't, that's not, that ain't, that's not okay. We got to go to the Blessed Sacrament Chapel to spend time together, Lord. And he was like, Josh, let's go play basketball. So I decided to be obedient and I put on some, some Jordans and uh, got a basketball and I went down to the gym at night and I was by myself and I was shooting the the basketball with Jesus and at one point I like I uh, crossed him over and uh now I'm joking <laughs> but no so we're like playing basketball and I'm talking to Jesus like Jesus man this is really fun and all but like I don't know like how this is an experience of authentic prayer and like I don't know if I should after I do this like go back to the adoration chapel and do like a whole nother hour of just sitting with you in the scripture and and finally at the end of that time playing basketball with Jesus you know we're sweating and everything and I just perceived Jesus speak in my heart and say Josh like I just enjoy spending time with you in everything like, I don't want you to compartmentalize your intentional prayer time just to your time with me in the in the Eucharist and in the Word of God like I want you to call to mind that I desire to abide in you at all times and in all places so like whenever you're hanging out with your friends I'm there and I want to be a part of those conversations. Like invite me to be part and like call to mind that I'm with you and that I want to be there. And whenever you're playing basketball, I'm there. And whenever you're shopping, I'm there. And I want you to call to mind my presence and acknowledge me in all times and places, even whenever you're sinning. Even whenever you're sinning, I want you to know that I'm, I'm, I'm in your presence and I want you to Take your eyes off of your sin and reorient your gaze onto me and speak to me right there in the midst of whatever it is you're doing. At all times and in all places, I want to be with you. It was so powerful. It was so awesome. And so, anyways, at the end of that eight-day silent retreat, it was the eighth day now, and at this point, the intimacy with Christ is just abundant. I mean, it was so good. And I remember journaling and I wrote down in my journal, like, Jesus, this silence has just been so good for our relationship. Like, I don't want it to end. I enjoy having all this time and the day to sit with you in the chapel and in the scriptures and in nature and in basketball. And uh, I don't I don't want it to end, Lord. Like, I don't want to go back out into the real world. And as soon as I said that, I I perceived and I'm check this out. I'm not any kind of mystic. I don't have locutions or whatever, but I perceived Mary speak, the Blessed Mother, and I perceived her say, but my son, like with Jesus Christ, there's so much more. Like, don't settle for this eight-day silent retreat as if this is the, 
the the best it's going to get. There's so much more with my son, Jesus. And it just gave me the courage to be able to say, wow, okay, like there is a lot more that God has in store for me that I can't even imagine. And so I wrote that down and I went to the mass, the closing mass. And the priest who ended up becoming my spiritual director, my senior Fitz, he got up there for mass and he said, hey guys, you know, I've been praying for y'all this eight day silent retreat. It looked like it was super powerful. He said, I just, I just want you to know though that um, as I was praying for y'all, I perceived the Blessed Mother, Mary, come to me, and I heard her say, make sure to tell my sons that with Jesus, there is so much more. Boom. Oh, my mind. Whoa, it just exploded, so let me get some duct tape and try to put it back together. He got the same message that I, I received. And so, of course, I was on fire, and, and the best part about it was after that, I got to walk with him in spiritual direction, and he was my director until he passed away. And so um, now he's in heaven, uh, we pray. And, uh, and anyways, it was this super gift. So my invitation to you, the listener, is don't settle. Like I, maybe you can call to mind some great experiences you've had with God at conferences or retreats or in prayer. Like, there's so much more. God has so much more for you, for you and your walk toward eternity. It gets better. Even if it's dark right now or dry right now, there's so much intimacy that the Lord has in store for you in the midst of whatever season of, of prayer you're in right now with him. So, so don't settle. And uh, yeah. And if you have not been on a retreat, my encouragement for you is to go on a retreat. So that's the glory story. Now let's get into the show. All right, y'all, before we jump into the, the questions... We have two follow-ups. The first follow-up is just a response to, I think it was episode, I don't know, five or something like that. But anyways, in this episode, I talked about Aretha Franklin and her song, Respect. Put some respect on my name. And so, uh, if y'all remember, I sang the song, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what it means to me, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Now, this is what I said, take care of TCP. And I said, Aretha, if you're listening to this show, hit me up at AskFatherJosh at EssentialPress.com. Let me know what TCP stands for. Well, that's the most responses I've ever gotten for this podcast because everybody in their mama, everybody in their mama, and maybe even Aretha Franklin, hit me up and was like, yo, Father Josh, I'm surprised you don't know what TCB means. So apparently it wasn't TCP, it's TCB. And that means taking care of business. Taking care of business. So... Uh, yeah, so one person was like, yo, Father Josh, man, you just lost your black card. But I know. <laughs> so that's impossible. I'm half white. So um, that was my white side that came out when I didn't know what that meant. Uh, I'm still, I still keep my black card, all right? My mom was white, so that's why I didn't know what TCB meant. But, uh, but I'm still, I still got my black card, so you can't take that away from me. Uh, Wakanda forever. Yeah, so I've also discerned that I'm going to join the Diocese of Wakanda Wakanda, I'll be the first priest there. Oh, it's going to be so awesome. Me and King T'Challa. So if you haven't seen Black Panther, you have no idea what I'm talking about right now. And you should definitely go watch it. It's probably my top 10 movies of all time. Maybe my number one. Um, but we'll get into that in another episode. Uh, but that's just a follow-up. So it, just to clear it, clear it up, for those of you who, who must know, I got all your emails. Every single one of your emails. And I get it. TCB, Taking Care of Business. And speaking of Taking Care of Business, let's take care of business right now and jump into the five questions for today's show. All right. Question number one. 
Question number one comes from Candy. Candy, is that Candy from Escape? What I need from you is understanding. Y'all, if y'all don't know Escape, that's like an old school 1990s R&B group. They they had some hits. Uh, they had one hit that was uh, it sounded like a gospel song, uh, but I can't remember how it goes. So, anyways, uh, I think wait, is what I need from you understand is that Escape? I think it is. Yeah, yeah, definitely, it definitely that's Escape. All right. So Candy asked this question. She said, "Is this where I go to ask questions at AskFatherJosh at EssentialPress dot com?" Well, Candy, yes, it is. All right. Moving on to question number two. Question number two comes from Courtney. Courtney asks this. I am a cradle Catholic, but for about 20 years, I lapsed from the church. During that time, I got married. We didn't want kids. My husband, he got a vasectomy a few years ago. And now that I'm practicing, I'm a practicing Catholic again. My husband, he's Protestant. I feel like this is an unforgivable, unforgivable sin since it's practicing ongoing birth control. Like, what do you think? Not being open to life. Um, so, God bless you. God bless you, Courtney. And thank you for asking this question. This is actually something that a lot of people struggle with um, who have um, gotten vasectomies and then afterwards um, become aware of just the gift of life and being open to the Holy Spirit. Um, and so I want to first just share with you God's mercy. This is a forgivable thing. This is forgivable, right? The only thing that cannot be forgiven is if we don't believe that God can forgive us. If we don't believe that his mercy is, is enough for us. God can forgive anything and everything. And this is not just for you, Courtney, but this is for anyone who's listening right now. For you, the listener who, who thinks, well, I know God forgives them. I know God forgives that person for what they've done, but he can never forgive me for what I've done. I want you to know that God sees you and he knows you and he loves you through and through. And God knew whatever sins you were going to commit before you were even created. And God still chose you. He still said, I want you. And he says, I want you. I see you. And I still want you to be my disciple. Every single saint has a past. And every single sinner has a future. And you and I, we should never let our past mistakes dictate our future walk toward becoming a saint in the kingdom of heaven for all eternity. So just because we did something in the past does not mean we should let that stop us or become a barrier for our relationship with, with Christ. So Courtney, yeah, all right, yeah, you guys made a mistake. God is merciful though. So all you have to do is repent, repent, come to Christ in the sacrament of reconciliation in this normative way that he has given us to receive his mercy, to receive his grace, to receive his forgiveness as he proclaims to us in the gospel, right, this sacrament of confession, when he breathed on the apostles and said, who sins you forgive are forgiven. Bring that to the confessional and leave it in the confessional. God's mercy is for you, Courtney. Okay, then you might be like thinking, but, but what about like the vasectomy? Like does my sub husband have to get a reversal? No, no, he doesn't. Like So like can he if he wants to? Certainly he can. But does he have to for the mercy of God to be applied to you in your marriage? No, no, he doesn't have to get a reversal. Um, so I want to invite you to receive his mercy, bring it to the sacrament, and leave it there, right? And then go and be one with, with your husband, right? Again, right? Trust in the mercy of God for you. 
Sometimes I think it's easier for us to trust in God's mercy for other people, but God wants you to experience his mercy for you. He has it in store for you. He has graces for you. And again, you can take it to prayer with your husband and discern, is God inviting you to get a reversal? Maybe, but maybe not. And if he's not, it's okay, right? It's okay. Your sacrament is still legit. So uh, bring it to the bring it to the sacrament, bring it to his mercy seat and, and experience the mercy of Jesus Christ wash all over you and be free, be free, my sister. So, um, yeah, that's my, that's my advice for you, Courtney. And again, for anyone who's listening, God is merciful to you as well. There's nothing that you have done that you can do that you cannot bring to the sacrament, right? You can bring everything to confession, everything and anything, and God will give you his mercy. Okay, so hopefully that's helpful for you. Courtney, uh, what do you guys think? Do you have any additional advice for, for Courtney? Um, hit me up at askfatherjosh at essentialpress.com uh, and let me know if y'all have any details that might be helpful for her um, in experiencing the mercy of Christ and in, in living, living in that, in that mercy that comes from the sacraments. On to question number three. Question number three comes from Kathy. Kathy asks this. She says, uh, how can I get my faith back? I stopped going to mass after my mom passed away last June. Mm. Well, God bless you. Well, Kathy, so how can I get my faith back? You know that I don't, I would love for you to, to write me another question, Kathy, and just share with me maybe a little more about you and your life and your heart so I can have uh, just a little bit more to, to ponder and to pray with as I try to respond adequately uh, to this question, but I do want you to know that I have been praying for you uh, for about a week now when I got this question, and I I guess want to share with you some of the things that came to me in prayer. First thing that came to me was just to like reverence your grief. Like, I, I man, like grief, we all grieve differently, and we all respond to the death of family and friends in different ways, and and so you're clearly grieving right now. And grief doesn't happen for just a day or a week or a month or a year. It's, it's ongoing. And we all respond to it differently. And so you're responding to this grief right now um, in a particular way by, by pulling away from, from, from uh, your faith, like some of the apostles did. I mean, that's how some of the apostles responded to their grief of experiencing the death of Christ. They, they kind of pulled away and they walked away. But, but Christ came to them and he's coming to you. Right, he's the one who gave you the grace to even ask this question. He's coming to you and he's saying, I, "I get it. I see you, and I want you. I want you right now, and I want you to encounter me in your grief. So invite me there. Invite me in your grief, so I can call you back to the mass. So I can call you to the mass. Why specifically the mass? Because Kathy, we were created for worship. Like that's." what we were created for. We were created to become saints, but like by our worship of God. Whenever God freed the, the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, he freed them so they, that they could be free to worship. Like God cares about right worship because when we worship God is when we get to experience the, the, the deepest intimacy with, with him and with the communion of saints who are members of the body of the Father, Son, Jesus Christ. Kathy, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but the Mass 
is that place where we are most close to the members of the body of Christ. And when I say that, I don't just mean the members of the body of Christ who we can see, the people in front of us, behind us, on each side of us, but I mean the entire body of Christ, which includes like St. Peter and St. Paul, the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mary Magdalene, all these members who Jesus says in the Bible, he says, once you're a part of my, my, my love, like nothing can separate you from my love, not even death. And so if, if a person was a member of the body of Christ on this side of heaven, then when they die, they're still a member of the body of Christ. They don't cease to become members of the body of Christ. And as members of the body of Christ, just like we come together to worship, when John, the beloved disciple, saw, saw heaven in the book of Revelation, he, he saw mass. He was witnessing the mass. He was worshiping, uh, witnessing worship of God. In Revelation chapter 8, verses 3 through 5, it says that he saw an angel at the altar, and along with the angel were the prayers of the holy ones. The holy ones, the saints, are praying, are worshiping. They're praying for us and worshiping God in heaven. Not every saint is canonized. Like We're all called to live a life that is canonizable in some way or another, but not every saint is canonized. And potentially your mom is a saint. Your mom might be a saint, right? Oh, have you ever thought about that? And if she's in heaven, she is a saint. Not canonized necessarily, but like, yeah, if you're in heaven, you're a saint. And so we pray, man, Lord, like we pray that she receives the grace of perseverance and becomes a saint. And she is most close to you at mass because that's what they're doing. In heaven, they're worshiping. So when we come to mass and worship God, we are closest to our loved ones who have gone before us. This is the place where we're doing the same thing together. Like, like they are at Mass. <laughs> so I really want to invite you and encourage you to come to Mass, to come back to Mass. But at the same time, I want to invite and encourage you to also maybe potentially reach out to your pastor for just some prayer or your associate pastor and, and reach out to a counselor to just help you walk through this, this process of grief, particularly a Catholic counselor, if you, if you can find one. Um, that would be very helpful, I think, for you in, in getting your faith back, right? Um, and experiencing Christ right now in this current season of your life, which is it's a season of grief. But I promise you, the Mass is where, is where it's at. And so that one thing that you're drawing away from is the place where you're going to grow in a deeper intimacy with our Lord, and then also with with your loved ones, particularly your mom, um, who passed away last June. So many prayers for you, and I want to invite all of our listeners right now to maybe press pause and just say a quick prayer for Kathy, for her heart, um, because I want you to know, Kathy, that, that we're a community, and we're a community who loves you, and we are all praying for you right now in this season of your life. So what do you guys think? Uh, do you guys also have any additional advice along with your prayers of intercession uh, for Kathy? Write me at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com and let me know. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into our final two questions. And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie and Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. That's youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. And we're back. Just a quick reminder, you can uh, send me your questions at Ask Father Josh 
at EssentialPress.com. And if you're feeling fancy, don't forget, you can always record a voice note, send it to me as well, and we will play it on the show if it's appropriate. Keep it appropriate, bro. Also, please don't forget to rate us and review us on iTunes to help other people find out about the show because it might be helpful to them in their walk toward eternity. All right, fourth question for the show. What are your thoughts on prayer journaling as a form of prayer to and with God? This comes from Sarah. Okay, so Sarah, again, when you guys write me questions, I'm loving the questions. Maybe give me a little bit more detail uh, about what you mean by prayer journaling. So I'm going to try to answer this question based on what I think you might be talking about, but I might be wrong a little bit. So hit me up and let me know if this is exactly what you are are indicating with this question. So uh, before I even answer, though, just in prayer in general, here's one of my tools, one of my rules for prayer. Pray in a way that helps us to grow in virtue. I used to think back in the day that like holiness, because I used to read the like lives of the saints, so like Padre Pio, that's my man, and I read his his stuff. And dude was a mystic, so I was thinking like the 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 fruit of like like holiness and prayer is you're supposed to levitate and have a stigmata and whatever, but like that's actually not the fruit of prayer. Uh, the, the the fruit of good prayer for for you for me in the season of our life is virtue. After I spend my time in prayer, in whichever way I feel the Holy Spirit inviting me to pray, am I growing in virtue? Am I more patient, kind? grateful, humble, uh, whatever. So discern based on virtues is my first tool for advice. So if prayer journaling uh, helps you to, to pray, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah is your own name. Yeah, so if prayer journaling helps you to, to pray, then go ahead and like, yeah, if it helps you to grow in virtue, I mean, like keep keep it up. Now, what are my thoughts. So these are my thoughts. I want to emphasize that these are not the thoughts of necessarily because you're asking me for my thoughts. So I'm not going to give you all the different saints who certainly disagreed on a number of things because not all the saints are infallible, but they they had things that worked for them. I, I think St. Teresa of Avila says something like this, that if you do like write and journal, like do it after your prayer time. That way you have like your intimate time with Jesus where you're able to receive and you're able to like focus on him during prayer and not on ourself because we don't want to navel gaze during prayer because that becomes idolatry of self. And so we want to make sure that when we go to prayer, like sometimes I see people in adoration chapel and they're like reading a magazine. That's not adoration. I mean, that is uh, maybe they're praying with what they're reading, but that's not adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. Adoration of the Blessed Sacrament is when we adore Jesus, right? So like sometimes when we go into prayer, we just have to check ourselves and make sure that we're focusing on God. Um, one time God said to the mystic Gabriel Bosius, who is your God, you or me? And she said, you're my God. And he said, well, if I'm your God, then why are you thinking about yourself more than you're thinking about me? Ooh, oh, ah, is that is that you? Have you ever struggled with that? Like, man, I'm focusing on myself more than I am on God. Uh, I want to encourage you to try to make sure in our prayer time that we are adequately gazing on the face of, of our Savior, of God. And so um, sometimes when we journal, it, what can happen is we can spend our whole time not open to receiving God because we're writing too much. So St. Teresa, I think, says something like, after your prayer time's over, is the best time to journal. So like, get your prayer time in, whatever that is, whether it's Lexio Divina or Rosary or Praise and Worship or Adoration or Silence or Contemplation or whatever. There's so many different ways to pray. And then afterwards, journal. That's this one potential way. But also, what are other um, things that might be helpful. Well, if you are going to journal during prayer, 
what does that mean? Does it mean like you're writing down like how much you love God? Like he wrote us a letter. We could write him a letter during prayer. That certainly is as helpful as long as after we do this, we recognize we're growing in virtue. Uh, it's prayer journaling whenever we write a question to God, then respond to that question with a specific scripture passage. That's, that's prayer, and that's beautiful. Is it writing down your experiences, your insights, your thoughts, your feelings, your desires? That's all good. And so I think, again, the goal is, is, am I growing in virtue? Am I beginning to imitate Christ in the way that I think, speak, and act? If I'm imitating Jesus, then yeah, yeah, keep it up, whatever it is. Um, but also just to make sure that uh, we're open to being receptive of Christ, too. Like we're, and we're not just doing stuff during our prayer time because we want to receive as well. We want to be loved by, by the Lord. So, Sarah, um, I hope this was helpful to you and to any of our listeners um, um, who also have questions about the spiritual life. But yeah, hit me up maybe with another email and let me know specifically what you meant and if, or if this, my answer was adequate for you. Uh, I pray, I pray it was. And if, and if it's not, and if you disagree with what I said, you can also hit me up and say, Father Josh, I totally disagree with what you said about that. Again, those were, were my thoughts on the question. All right, finally, question number five. This is with regards to a um, family member who experienced the same sex attraction from Luann. Luann writes this, I have a 33-year-old granddaughter who is in a gay relationship. I don't agree with her lifestyle, um, but I love her unconditionally, and I cannot turn my back on her even if she were to marry her partner. A priest has advised other family members that they cannot receive communion if they show my granddaughter any support of her relationship. What are your thoughts on this? Whoa, that's a lot. That's a lot. And so save the best for last. So I'm going to dissect the question in three parts. Um, the first thing I just want to say is, um, you said that the a priest advised other family members. Okay, so number one is, um, did you actually hear what the priest said, right? Because sometimes, even me as a priest, people um, people tell other people, Father Josh said this to me, and then people say, man, Father Josh, I can't believe you said that. And I'm thinking, I never said anything like that specifically. So did you actually hear the priest yourself say that? Uh, if, uh, if your family members showed any support, they couldn't receive communion, um, or is that what they said? Uh, number two is if he did say that, in fact, what did they tell him for him to say that if they supported her in any way? Because like, what does that mean, support her in any way? Uh, because we, we don't want to say that um, support does not mean to love them, to love those family members, right? So if, if, if I have a family member who has anything going on, I'm called to love. So is my support, is it a manifestation of authentic love, like that Thomas Aquinas would define love in the Summa? Or is it some other kind of support, right? So I would have to exactly know what was... Uh, told to the pastor, to the priest, for me to adequately address that which he potentially said, because I, I don't know. So it would have to be a question of, I'm not there. And it seems like you're saying other people said what he said. So like, I, you know, if someone were to tell me something like, hey, look, um, I'm going to drive a car as someone shoots up the bank or whatever. Okay, yeah. So I'm not going to shoot the bank, Father, but I'm going to support the person shooting up the bank. I would tell them, yeah, you definitely should not receive Holy Communion because that's definitely not okay. No bueno. We don't want to receive communion in a state of sin, whether we committed the actual sin or we supported the sin in any way, shape, or form. So I want to like acknowledge that I don't know what your family members told the priest for him to say that. So um, he potentially could have been justified in saying that. He could potentially um, not have been if in case um, they were trying to say they just want to support her through through manifestation of authentic love. 
So how do we then really accompany our loved ones who experience same-sex attraction? And this is something that we have to begin to have conversations with in the church and in our, in our families and our communities, because we all have family members who have experienced same-sex attraction, who identify with a gay lifestyle. We have friends who do this. And so what's the, what's the response? I think sometimes Christians don't like to live in the tension. And so then uh, they say, I'm going to respond to this in one of two ways. I'm either just going to cut off my relationship with this person because I don't, I don't want to be in the, in the mess of feeling uncomfortable, or we just say, uh, I'm down for whatever you're down for, right? I'm open to everything you're open for and, and whatever. And so I, I think neither one of those are the best responses. I think the third way, as I was talking to one of my friends who's a theologian recently, is to enter into the tension, enter into the mess. And, and where do we enter into the, the, the messiness of our lives, of our relationships um, at the most, where people just get really uncomfortable? It's, it's, it's in the heart of the scriptures and in the gift that the church has given us in the catechism. So what is the catechism? What, would, what, what does the catechism have to say to us on this particular topic of your desire to, to unconditionally love your granddaughter? Which, again, Luann, you should. You should unconditionally love her, right? You have to if you want to be a saint, Right? We're called to not only love God, but love our neighbor. And she is our neighbor. Who is our neighbor? Your granddaughter. Your granddaughter who is living in a gay relationship right now is our neighbor who we're called to love. The catechism, it states that men and women, though, who experience same-sex attraction, they must be, check this out, a few things, accepted with respect. Right? Again, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, respect. Compassion, which means to suffer with. Um, and sensitivity. And that the homosexual tendency, it must constitute for them a, a, a trial. Like they, they, I can't tell you how many people I've walked with as a priest who experienced same-sex attraction who were like, man, the struggle is real. And some of them, like, they just, what they go through in their heart, my gosh. Like, I, I, I love these, these men and women, and I pray with them, and, and they're good people. And so we have to unpack that. Like, we're called to, to respect them, to suffer with them to be sensitive to their particular um, struggle um, and to, to listen to their trial, to ask them, tell me more about your experience. Like, what have you gone through? Uh, how, how has this affected your relationship with God and your prayer? Right? Like, how, can I, how can we adequately love people if we don't actually enter into their lives wherever they're at? we got to meet people wherever they are at. Catechism goes on to say this, Luann, uh, that in that very same paragraph, that people who experience homosexual tendencies are called to fulfill God's will in their lives. And they're Christians to unite to the sacrifice of the Lord's cross, the difficulties they may encounter from their condition. Right? So they are called to be what? They're, they're called to be saints. The very next paragraph teaches that, that they are called to chastity and they can and should gradually and resolutely approach Christian perfection which is the vocation of everybody who's baptized. They're called to be saints. Your granddaughter is called to be a saint. God gives every single one of us this invitation to be holy, and he would give us the grace that we need to be holy, and it's never going to be easy for any of us. But like, And so like he's saying, like, I want you to walk with, with your granddaughter, and I want you to accompany her, and I want you to be in a relationship with her, and I want you to tell her that you love her, and I want you to, to be with her so that you can invite her to the end goal, which is to be a saint, through the, the, the means of that, which is to living out chastity, which, guess what? John Paul says it's difficult. Like chastity is difficult. And so that invitation to live out a chaste relationship and to like live in chaste, authentic, good, holy relationships um, is going to be hard, not only for her, but for all of us, right? But specifically, like we're called to remain in communion with people 
even if you disagree with their lifestyle, right? So that you can be a bridge for her to, to experience authentic love of Christ and to live out chastity in her relationship, right? So like she's with somebody right now, like God's calling them to be saints. He's calling them to be holy. And we're called to affirm that, which is good in their relationship. Um, but then say the best part is that the Lord is saying, I want you to live out chastity. And this is going to be difficult, but I'm going to walk with you, right? The goal is to invite her to be close to that place where the graces of God are just so abundant. And that place is the Eucharist. Invite her to spend time before the Blessed Sacrament. I, that's where the saints are formed. That's where the saints are formed is before the Eucharist. I cannot tell you, like, if I didn't spend as much time as I do with the Eucharist, I would not be able to, to live out my vocation as a priest. But the Lord gives me so many graces. And I tell married couples this all the time. Like, God will only give you the graces if you, like, open yourself up to them. And the place where his graces are just so abundant and overflowing is the Blessed Sacrament. So invite her wherever she's at. Invite her and her partner to sit before the Eucharist so they can be in a posture to receive the grace of Christ, to live out the virtue of chastity, to imitate Jesus Christ in their walk toward eternity. And be patient because this is not an easy, like it's not an easy invitation. God never said he was calling us to an easy path to eternity. It's going to be very, very difficult. And she's going to need you to, to show her, like, I get it. Like, we're so fragile. All of us are so fragile. We're all so, so weak. And it's difficult for me, too. And, and here's the ways in which I struggle with living out, living out my vocation to holiness. Here's the ways in which I struggle with chastity. But guess what? God's been patient with me, and he's going to be patient with you. And I'm going to be patient with you, especially if you struggle with listening to me right now and believing me right now. I'm not going to go anywhere because I want to be a bridge for you to live out perfection, to live out authentic happiness. God would not invite us to something that would not make us happy. Well, is, is it difficult? Oh my goodness. Yes, it's going to be difficult. But St. Francis de Sales reminds us that when we're patient with people, that we are a more conducive bridge for them. We're a more conducive bridge for them to experience the happiness that God has in store for them. And that which is not um, in accord with what God is inviting them to, which is like this authentic, real friendship, um, with you, with him, and, and, and with each other, right, um, is, is only realized, is only realized in the heart of Christ and in his, and in his gift of his scriptures and church that he gave us. Uh, so chastity is possible. Grace is there, and God's grace is sufficient. Um, is it going to be difficult? Heck, yeah, uh, most likely, very, most likely. But, oh, my goodness, just remind your granddaughter, Luann, that she's called to be a saint. She is called to be a saint. Holy, holy. And we are only going to experience authentic peace when we're living in the will of God, which is difficult, but awesome at the same time. So hopefully that was that was helpful. And, and make sure too, my bad, one last thing, be a witness. So Pope Paul VI said, the world today listens to witnesses, not to teachers. So you got to be, if you want to teach anybody about anything, you got to be a witness yourself. And so make sure you're living out chastity yourself. We can't call people to things like if we're not responsible with it ourselves. So that brings us to the end of today's show. Uh, regardless of what your circumstances are, here are a few universal points that we can unpack from today's show. The first thing is, from the first question, is this is definitely my email. So when you send me questions that ask for the joshuaassistionpress.com, I will see them and I will respond to them at some point in my life. I can't promise it's going to happen today or tomorrow but because we're getting a lot of questions, praise God. But you stay tuned and you're going to hear your question at some point. Uh, second universal point from Courtney uh, is that God's mercy is for you. 
God's mercy is for you. He knew what you were going to do before you ever did it. And he still said, I thirst for you. I want you. And so bring God our sins, bring God your sins so he can be your savior. Give you those graces that you and I both need. Whenever we're struggling with grief, recognize we all grieve in different ways. And so don't look at other people and say, well, they grieve this way. And so I'm supposed to or whatever. Just recognize that that we all grieve in different ways and, and reach out to someone else to, to help you and accompany you in the midst of your grief. When it comes to prayer, the goal is virtue. That's how we discern, not, not on our feelings, not on what feels good, but based on what helps me to grow in imitation of Jesus Christ in my thoughts, words, and actions. And when it comes to having family members who have same-sex attraction, remember the goal is is to love them with the love of Jesus Christ, to accompany them in their walk toward eternity, and to invite them to live out um, their call to holiness, uh, which is the same call to holiness that we have, which is the universal call to be a saint, and the universal call for her, him, for us, for all of us to become chaste uh, in our walk toward eternity, chaste uh, saints. And so that calls for all of us, that calls difficult, and so we need to be patient with others as they begin to lean into this, right? If they struggle with this invitation, we got to be patient with them. And we also need to be patient with ourselves if we ourselves are struggling with living out chastity in our walk toward becoming saints. So let's pray real quick. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Oh man, Jesus, you are good. You are awesome. And we just love you so much. You have only that which is best in store for us only that which is best for us in our walk toward you. So just give us the grace to set aside time, set aside intentional time today to receive that grace that you have for us in our walk toward you. Blessed Mother, we know that you love us and that you're praying for us. Just intercede for us that we can have a deeper intimacy with your son, Jesus Christ, wherever we're at right now. We ask this prayer, Father God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. All right, that's today's show. Don't forget to hit me up, to rate us, to review us on iTunes and any other of your platforms, uh, Google Play and all the other jazz. And uh, stay tuned, and we will see you next week. Ask Father Josh at EssentialPress.com. Deuces.